You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever fateful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man? Doing excellent. It has been a great Monday, and uh, I mean, I uh, we, we teased in a, a big announcement last week. And we did. I think I I don't think I've been this hype for an episode in a long, long time. Can I just say as well that this is the two year anniversary of the show as well? Wait, exactly. This week, this week is I believe we started on like the twenty second, so we're recording on the twenty first, and we'll release on the twenty third. So it's like it's like yeah, it's exactly the two like the, year the two anniversary. Year. How fitting, dude! How fitting. How fitting. For a big announcement. <laughs> yeah. Big announcement on the two-year anniversary, and and I, you know, DBN, I'm gonna let you make the announcement, though, man. Oh, okay. I get the I get the privilege. You get the privilege. You get the privilege, the honor, the glory of the, glory. the announcement. This okay. Yeah. Well, let, better not mess it up. Here we go. Okay. So, Legends Cast fans out there, y'all, we have been cooking up some big moves for Legends Cast. Not all of which we can share at this point, uh, but the biggest thing, perhaps. Um, is after two years, Mark and I are loving everything about Legends Cast, but we're also trying not to get into a rut. We want to make sure that we are evolving the podcast to fit the demands of the player pace, to fit the game, um, and to just keep our community energized and engaged. Um, and we came across a excellent idea, and so we would like to formally announce that we have added a third co-host to Legends Cast. And that individual is none other than my best friend, Brendan, a.k.a. Gibbles and Bits. What's up, Gibbles and Bits? Welcome to the show, my friend. We are so glad to have you. Now I have to ask, I, I have to come up with a new legendary introduction for more than just more than just <laughs> Oh, that's right. So, uh, I'm, I wanna, I'm interested, just interested to see what adjectives I get added to my name. I have to just have to get some that I will remember and be able to use. It would be really funny if DBN got the same ones every week and I always mixed oh, yeah. up. It was that, like something different every time. That'd be fitting. I uh, might get a little jealous. Uh, yeah, I might. get jealous of, of the of any like guests that come on because they get all these awesome, awesome adjectives unless and I'm just stuck I with my same ones. Run out of, unless I quickly run out of good adjectives. It's true, or you serendipitous you getting... and not know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> like last week. Yeah. So true. Well, yeah, Escher got the royal to, welcoming. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank and, you, thank uh, Tell you. me, how are you doing tonight? Dude, I am so excited. I have been thinking about this for weeks since we talked about it. Um, I have been following this podcast for what it's got to be over a year plus now, mm -hmm. uh, since the start of rising tides, that's when I started joining the game and I picked up the podcast as soon as I started playing LOR. So I am over the moon right now. So excited to be a part of this podcast, to be, um, joining full time and I'm going to be putting out the awesome content with both of you. So I am hopefully going to complete a third piece of this trifecta and see where, where this goes see see what new heights we can reach yeah absolutely me and dbn had some conversation about who would we want on the show and uh and gibbles ended up being 
our top pick. So, you know, we approached him. Super glad that he's on. You are going to see some changes in the lineup in the weeks that come. Over the next couple of weeks, it's going to be all three of us. We're going to be joining together, building chemistry, uh, learning as we podcast how to podcast together because there's something awesome about the chemistry that's built. And there's going to be episodes when there's going to be all three of us. There's also going to be episodes that's just me and DBN, just me and Gibbles, and just Gibbles and DBN as well. That one's and dangerous. So we're gonna, that, that's the most dangerous. It's the one where I have the least amount of control and where I'm most nervous. But uh, there's going to be episodes where I'm not on the show for the first time in the history of Legends Cast. I am in every single episode of Legends Cast. And so for the first time uh, over the next, you know, couple weeks, couple months, uh, there's going to be some episodes with just um, DBN and Gibby as well. And so we're really excited for that. It gives each of us the opportunity to record and also get a break occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys don't know this, if, if you've never created content, one of the things that you may not know is that there is a lot of pressure to do it on a really routine basis. And sometimes life doesn't work out in routine. Sometimes you're on vacation. Sometimes you don't feel like recording. Sometimes there's nothing good to record about. Sometimes you're ticked off at the game and you don't want to talk about it. And so we added Gibby because he's never ticked off at the game. He always wants to talk about it. <laughs> this is just perfect this is scenario pretty true. for us. Yeah, perfect scenario. Um, but uh, we wanted to kind of get to know Gibby a little bit and interview him a little bit. And I figured there's no better person to do that than you know his best friend, which is DB. So, DBN, why don't you ask Gibby a couple questions? Help our audience get to know him a little bit. Yeah, sure. And and I, I before I do start asking Gibby questions, uh, I do kind of want to preface this a little bit because, um, you know, Mark and I had several names that we were floating around for this. Um, and uh, I think all of them would have been excellent uh, choices. But we ended up, you know, approaching Gibby first. Uh, fortunately, he he agreed to to join us um, for a number of reasons, and it, it comes down to a lot of different things. I mean, I I've known um, Brendan Gibby uh, for a very very long time. Uh, you know, we went to college together and played ultimate frisbee for uh, for four years uh, together, and became good friends playing games like Rocket League. Uh, and Call of Duty, and uh, eventually uh, Hearthstone. <laughs> um, but in the end, uh, I've played about four different CCGs, uh, you know, with Gibby, and have really, really come to respect uh, and appreciate his feedback and opinions on things. Uh, it, it's on. He's honestly one of the people, and probably like the first person I go to whenever I have. Uh, a thought that I need to work through about a card game uh, or simply a deck or concept that I want to, you know, sort of run through the mental ringer. Um, Like I said, he's one of the people whose CCG opinions I trust the most and partly because we don't always agree. In fact, we we often kind of clash a little bit, but I think it's because we have naturally different approaches, which is a awesome thing to be challenged by. Um, A lot of times my impressions on cards and his uh, differ very, very much. And, uh, he has this, this actually fascinating and uncanny knack for finding scenarios in which bad cards are actually good and viable. Um, and something that even, you know, when we played, um, Legend of the Five Rings for years together was one of the things I most respected, uh, about his game. Uh, and not to mention the fact that he was always my, the person I wanted to see in our weekly tournaments the least. He was, the, he was absolutely the person I did not want to play against. Uh, so, Gibby, dude, 
Uh, we always ask our guests this, and it's time we asked our co-host this, but uh, give us a little bit of your uh, your gamer origin story. How did you get here? <laughs> sure. So um, you've hit it a little bit already. So my um, my gaming, I've always played board games and video games galore uh, growing up, followed the whole Nintendo systems up and all of that good stuff, uh, Mario True uh, through and through, but um, <laughs> finally switched over to PlayStation, PlayStation 4 around that time. But as it pertains to card games, my first major card game I picked up in college around 2012-ish was Hearthstone. Um, I was pretty dedicated to Hearthstone, not super grindy, on the competitive scene, but um, was was always trying to kind of reach high ranks. Is usually somewhere between kind of ranks ten to five or five to one, depending on the season. But um, Hearthstone was my game of choice for quite a while on mobile. Uh, I picked that up. I was a priest main. Um, priest is what I played the most of, which I know is the exact opposite of UDBN because you are a hunter fan, and hunter and priest don't get along. Yeah, we go um, face. Okay, face yeah. is the place. Yeah, heal is the place. That's what we do. Uh, all them good dragons. Um, but yeah, so I played uh, a lot of Hearthstone for a while. Um, we we got involved, DBN and I did, in Legends of the Five Rings and played that for quite some time as well. Um, I loved playing uh, Scorpion for Legends of the Five Rings and uh, as well as Unicorn, two very different factions, a lot of movement-based, a lot of trickery-based stuff. Um, and I think that kind of, you can see some of that identity uh, in Hearthstone as well, a priest always had a little bit of tricks up their sleeve with some of their um, spells and whatnot. But um, it was really kind of evolved. It was pretty simple. It went from Hearthstone, uh, L- L5R, and then kind of COVID hit. But even during that time, uh, DBN came to me and said, hey, I got this uh, cool little game I want you to try. Uh, and I was like, what is it? Because previously he had me try uh, a little bit of Gwent uh, and a little bit of Elder Scrolls Legends. And neither of them kind of really took hold for me. But I tried LOR and um, really enjoyed the mechanics of it. It was complicated enough that I found it really challenging, but aesthetically it was it was pretty polished and I, I liked it. Um, and I also liked just, I think it was super refreshing how easy you got cards and whatnot uh, and you didn't have to work and spend a whole lot of money to get things. So I, I naturally gravitated towards the game and um, enjoyed picking it up. We had really healthy discussion, DBN and I did, about some of the new cards and um, it just took hold and I never kind of slowed down. I got really involved in, uh, in the, in the discord and ended up becoming an admin pretty quickly with it. And, um, I am an extrovert, uh, by and large. So I ended up just making a lot of friends, which even furthered my, my want to kind of be with the game. So, but, uh, LOR is almost exclusively, at least from a card game perspective, uh, what I play now. Um, I did have Pokemon cards when I was younger, but I never played competitively, I never played Yu-Gi-Oh! I never played Magic. So a lot of the early 90s and early 2000s games that you hear a lot of our guests talk about or even um, Lyft and and DBN talk about um, them having experience with, I never did play. But a bit more streamlined. But yeah, LOR is is almost exclusively where my my head's at right now. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's so fun to uh, to actually be thinking about that. And, And like I said, uh, the, the memories uh, I think of Hearthstone specifically, like I have this vivid memory of when uh, you got actually got me to try Hearthstone. We were both drunk on spring That's right. break. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and uh, and uh, standing uh, around by the pool, uh, and uh, and you were telling me all about this game Hearthstone, 
and about like how your favorite deck was Murlocs and all the things that they did, uh, at least the favorite deck at the time. Uh, and then, uh, and I was like, okay, okay. You were like this, you, you were, see, you were so skeptical. You're like, this I was like, I dumb. don't know, man. Like, uh, I it seems kind of childish, but all right, I'll try it. And I downloaded it on my phone and I got hooked. Little did uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was the beginning of that. Let me ask you this though, because, um, you know, a lot of people who are in the Discord are familiar uh, with you, and and that's another big reason why we brought you on. Of course, was because of you know how active and uh, you know much of a pillar of the community you, you know you really are. Um, and so, let me ask this: like, you've been playing LOR, and Mark already alluded to this. You're one of the most positive and upbeat and consistently. Um, you know, I think someone who's consistently enjoying the game, maybe more so than anyone else in our in our Discord at any given time. So let me ask this. What is it that you love so much about LOR? What is it that keeps your interest even in uh, questionable metas? And uh, and what is it about this community that keeps you coming back? Sure. I mean, I think I think the, I'll start with the community aspect of it. I mean, I, the community itself within um, our Discord is phenomenal. I have met across playing. I've played in... All three of the uh, Legends Cast Discord League so far. Uh, first league, I got stomped. Um, I had a pretty good experience <laughs> in in group, and I, I barely didn't make it out of group. But um, it was really really fun, and I, it was a huge learning experience for me. That was the first major competitive. I say major, um, but even at that time, it was still growing. Um, that was the first kind of tournament style. Uh, uh, I would say league I've played in from a, from a card game perspective, um, and then. League two came about and I made it to the finals. Uh, and then League three um, still had a decent showing, but kind of landed up middle of the pack. But um, throughout that that experience, I've grown to appreciate and make a lot of friends uh, in our, our Discord community. So that always keeps me coming back. And I've always got people to talk to about new decks. And I'm always <laughs> trying to reinvigorate people to, um, to keep making new decks and to keep enjoying the game and find new fun ways to, to have uh, to kind of keep the experience fresh in the game. And I think that's something that I value a lot in a game is if there is a space for me to try something new, if there is a space for me to even go back and pull out an old deck that um, hasn't been around for a while because it is comprised of a lot of older cards, that to me is fun and valuable. Because a lot of older decks, just because they're out of sight, and I think you guys have talked about this on the podcast before, just because it's out of sight of the meta, per se, doesn't necessarily mean it's not viable. It's just not at the forefront of people's vision. Um, so I always like pulling out old decks, tweaking them with either a couple new cards or even just trying old decks in general. That keeps me going in the game quite often. Um, and I don't really have an issue of not playing competitive if if the meta is not in a place where I really like it. Like right now, I'm playing a lot of casuals because I keep running into um, competitive. I just keep running into the same couple meta decks. Um, on, it really on is here by chance. Is one of those really? <laughs> yeah, it might be. Uh, yeah, I'm running into a lot of the same meta decks <laughs> on the on the uh, on the ladder. So I'm just enjoying playing casual decks and just chatting with a bunch of really good people. Uh, I've been uh, making a deck. Um, with Six Summit, I've been chatting a little bit with Chris Angle. I've been I've been talking with a lot of people uh, just about um, just what their favorite things are and um, trying to tweak decks. I've been making a couple uh, decks with DBN. Are mm -hmm. I think I don't actually I don't, I'll let you talk about it, but I don't think you spoiled the deck that we were working on last episode. I have uh, not yet. <laughs> our troll deck, yeah. So uh, we've got 
Um, there's just a lot of ways to keep the game fresh if you look for it. Um, if you don't resign yourself to the fact that the meta may not be necessarily in a place that you want, I think there's a lot of redeeming qualities about LOR um, and a lot of fun things to do in the game. And I mean, I know people love a lot of the labs and things. Um, I don't even dill, uh, dip too much into the into the labs. Uh, I have I actually I've talked about this I think with DBN once. I have yet to play Lab of Legends, which is really surprising. <laughs> um, I definitely need to get into that because people wow, love that. That is surprising. Yeah. So I've been entertained by the game not having played Lab of Legends, but I love Duos. I think Duos is a fantastic. Oh my gosh, we've been playing that so much. <laughs> I know. It's a fantastic mode. Um, and yeah, I'm just enjoying playing a bunch of a huge variety of decks. I like a lot of off-meta decks, so uh, playing the meta stuff doesn't necessarily bother me. Yeah, I'm still blown away by the fact that you have not tried Lab of Legends yet. <laughs> I know, right? It's it's It seems unfitting for someone who likes to experiment. Well, you know what's yeah. funny too is that Gibby actually was a pretty constant uh, Hearthstone Arena runner. Mm -hmm. Like he he did Hearthstone oh. Arena like all the time. We, you know, I mean, I remember actually we would go whenever we'd go up and uh, either be driving up to school, uh, or if like we were going on a uh, on a road trip to go visit friends like after we graduate and stuff. One of the things we'd always do is uh, bust out the phone and start up a Hearthstone Arena run and just like call out the options and like draft together. And then, it's uh, fun playing Hearthstone when you're not looking at the board. You're the one driving, and they're just calling out options <laughs> to draft, and you're just trying to yeah, put it we've, together. We've in your both head. been on that on that uh, on that side of the thing, but yeah, no, it was always actually really really fun and enjoyable. But which which is why it strikes me so much um, that you haven't tried these alternate modes. And I know you don't really care for Expedition uh, too too much in LOR. Expedition's okay to me. I've played I've actually played a little bit more of it recently than I, I would say I have in the past. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think the one thing that drives me a little bit away from Expedition as as compared to maybe the way Hearthstone ran it is I'm not as into the um, them kind of tailoring archetype decks. Like them, mm. like you draft a champion and now you are limited to a 20 to 25 card pool of whatever cards it might be to try to make it more synergistic. I think there's something fresh and new about your decks not being synergistic and it just kind of being wild and out there and it's really on you to identify combos or things like that or even just looking at stats and um, it just being a bit more kind of crazy. Mm. But yeah, I've been playing a little bit more Expedition recently actually. You know, um, one of the things, and just as as we go through, I'm just kind of splicing in some of the things that uh, you know, the some of the reasons why we we chose Gibby, and uh, he has a reputation, of course, as I'm sure everybody within our Discord community already knows, uh, of being you know, like he already said, an extreme extrovert, um, but also just somebody who just goes way out of his way to be social. Um, and that's always been something that actually uh, initially it was uh, when I first met him, it was off putting. I, I just am so opposite uh, of that, that it, it was definitely off putting to me. But over time, it's become such an endearing trait and something that I think really like I think, you know, we often joke, uh, actually, uh, we would often go uh, rock climbing together and uh within our little group of about six people that went rock climbing, we quickly coined uh, Gibby, our, our team community manager. Because uh, he was constantly going out and talking to the random people that are just sitting next to us, uh, climbing a different route, sometimes even with their headphones on, he'd go up and start a conversation with them. Um, so, you know, definitely from that perspective, we're just so excited because we know that he's always going to be that positive and uh, and welcoming uh, member of the of the community and, and representative of the podcast. So, 
Uh, but enough about uh, about that. Let me ask you some more LOR specific questions, Gibby. Sure. Um, you know, we talk about uh, you know the different archetypes. You know, combo control, aggro, mid range. You're somebody that just sort of floats all around between them, right? Like you, you don't really uh, identify. I think uh, just my my idea. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, as any one particular play style, do you? Like, I feel like we we're often floating around and like, you're like, oh, here's my aggro deck of the week. Here's my control deck of the week. Like, is there a specific way that you like to play or a specific aspect of LOR that you find yourself gravitating to? I think identifying those trends as players is something that always intrigues me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you're right when you say that I don't necessarily have an overwhelming favorite uh, archetype. I really do enjoy, I think a lot, of, if, if you had to fit any probably predominant style of any of my decks. If I'm going to play a deck, if I'm going to create a deck, it could be anything. But if I'm going to go and try to ladder with a deck, it's probably predominantly going to be a mid-range deck. I think that would probably be um, what I would identify myself as if I had if I had to. Um, but I really do enjoy um, somewhat, I think LOR is interesting when it comes to combo decks because usually it's only a couple cards you can't you don't have these wild 15 card combos or even like five mm -hmm. card combos like you have in some other games where it just gets way out of hand and annoying um two to three card combos uh, i think would identify a combo deck in lor and i do like that i think it stems a little bit from my uh time as an l an l5r as a scorpion player with some mm -hmm. of the trickery aspects of it and some of the uh, kind of backhanded, you don't know what I've got in my hand, you're never going to see this coming. I like splashing kind of interesting cards and trying to catch my opponents off guard, which you can do in LOR by just making deck choices off of meta decks, which I think is kind of where a lot of my off-meta decks kind of come from. Um, I would place myself more as a mid-range or combo player and in a little bit of aggro too. Um, I was kind of looking through today, um, just out of curiosity, where some of my champions are, because we have enough time elapsed now, which I think if anybody's interested, if they haven't thought about it, um, and you're trying to identify what kind of player you are, go take a look at your profile and look at the mastery of some of your champions. Mm. Yeah. Go take a look at how far you've gotten with certain champions in that mastery aspect of it. I don't really have a lot of control champions in my mastery um, stats. A lot of it's mid-range. Uh, I've got a lot of Swain in there, a lot of some MF, and that's probably just due to um, some of the major decks I play. I think my favorite champion to play is Swain, who I would kind of consider maybe, a, he's maybe a little bit on the control side, but the rest of the deck I tend to play with is a little bit more mid-rangey. Um, but yeah, I would say aggro, mid-range, and, and, and kind of combo is where mm. I kind of make my money, and it's what's usually in my wheelhouse, if I'm going to ladder with something or just play sure. for fun. Yeah, no, that that's definitely a uh, just an aspect that I always find fascinating is like what what mm -hmm. kind of like decks and playstyles people gravitate towards. Uh, so let me ask this: uh, you and I specifically have made a bunch of decks together, but of course you've made a, a bunch of other decks, and I've you know, I've made separate decks, and Mark's made decks. We've all made decks. At the end of the day, you've played LOR for over a year now, mm -hmm. played a ton of different stuff. What is the favorite your favorite homebrew that you've ever come up with? Okay, I'm gonna give you two. My favorite two homebrews that I've ever come up with because it felt, this one felt particularly satisfying because I felt like I beat the meta on this one because in a different way, we saw this hump come to fruition now. My Beach Bonanza deck that I <laughs> built and you kind of helped me tweak a little bit um, with Azir and MF using Emperor Deus and using even a little bit of Ruinous Path, but just kind of getting a lot of those plunder aspects out there, flooding the board a little bit. 
um, Monkey and then hitting Citrus Courier as the top end, that deck is still performing really well now. But we, when that when Azir came out, I identified that as an archetype um, that wasn't being talked about. We made that deck; it performed really well. Now Aurelia came out, and we were just saying that a deck just needs one or two more tools. Well, Aurelia, here comes Aurelia, and and trade out a little bit of the Bilgewater stuff for some for some Ionia tricks, and now it's an overwhelmingly powerful deck that everyone's calling to be nerfed. So I felt really good about creating that mm-hmm. deck um, as a homebrew. I think the other deck that I really like, and this is a kind of an, a snapshot of one of my favorite cards in the game. One of my favorite cards in the game is the Undying. Um, I love Shadow Isles as a faction, and um, I've created a, and I still run it every now and then, and I think in a non- super hyper aggressive meta like we're kind of seeing a little bit now i think this deck i can definitely make some make uh work again in in pretty good practice is uh i made an undying kindred grand plaza deck so using the grand plaza along with a bunch of just killing off your own stuff uh to get things permanent challenger and mask mother and all that to get things permanent challenger off of grand plaza Every time you kill something, it's getting it's kindred's marking something. It actually works really well. Just I think Shadow Isles has one of the best early games in the deck as we're in the game as we're seeing in Thresh Nasus. Um, oh, that's definitely true. Yeah, yeah. I so I mean, that, you take a little bit of the early game there. You take a alternate uh, mid range that's not really being experimented with a lot, and it just kind of you lock people out in the mid range. They just can't do anything when you're constantly challenging, and they just don't have enough resources to to beat your challengers uh, and keep their things alive on the board. So that's probably my other favorite homebrew is um, is that kindred uh, undying Grand Plaza list. Yeah, no, that that's definitely a it could be special that I really haven't even messed with that much, uh, but uh, but undying I think we can all agree is one of the most interesting. Oh, interesting so cards i love that one uh so uh favorite champion like y- you know note you can't uh pick a champion combination one champion to rule them all what do you got one champion to rule them all i think now are we talking about from play style or are we talking about like art uh everything pick you whatever you prioritize as a player what is your favorite champion in the game so far favorite champion in the game so far has to be it's got to be Swain. Swain is my favorite champion. <laughs> it's between Swain and Kindred. Really? Swain and Kindred are, are my two favorite champions in the game. Um, I can't tell you how many decks I've built around Swain. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and He's always coming up with a Swain something list. Oh, what yes, if we try Swain and X? Okay, again. <laughs> again, again, we talked about this. This was a, just last month we talked about this. Yeah, it, it's got to be. Just the amount of times I ended up going back to the well on Swain. It's got to be Swain. Um, but I will be every every expansion from here on out that we have. You can bet that I'm going to be trying every combination with Kindred as well until I can get that that boy to work. Yeah, <laughs> Kindred's not an easy one to make work. So. I hope that you can find one because I love Kindred and uh, and I would love for Kindred to actually work, but I'm yet to be able to make it happen. So yeah. I also no, I, love spooky stuff. I have a really sneaking suspicion that I'm gonna love Pike. Oh yeah. Plus, I think I think you and I both are on the Bilgewater train. Like we both love the faction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think hopefully we'll come in and give Bilgewater some some stronger mid game tools. Um, yeah, but let me, uh, let me wrap up our little interview. Um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity, uh, as now the newly christened, uh, you know, co-host, um, is there anything you want to tell the community? 
Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys so much um, for for being uh, a part of the community, for having me um, as as a as a fellow member and just being so so kind and loving to me. Um, it's made me want to get more involved in the game, and it's kind of driven me to this point of being so invested to be now asked to be the third the third host of of uh, Legends Cast. So I want you guys to feel free to message me anytime, just like you would DBN or just like you would Mark. Um, you guys can talk to me at any point. If you want to bounce deck ideas off of me, uh, just since that kind of seems to be my niche, uh, you are more than welcome to. If you want to talk to me about an experience you're having in LOR, if you want to just vent, if you want to just, you need some positive reinforcement and you just want somebody to talk to or you just want to make a new friend, um, you guys can uh, drop into my uh, to my direct messages anytime on Discord. I am always around. I'm always checking my phone on the Legends Cast Discord. So um, I'm really excited to continue to meet new people, to continue to chat with people, and um, yeah, this is going to be a fantastic ride. Buckle up, man! It really would have been a bummer if you like teed that up for him, and if he just like said "suck it" into the microphone and then just signed <laughs> off. And so it's just like, is there anything you'd like to say to community? What is this? Psych. <laughs> Punked. And then just disappeared. I'm officially <laughs> announcing that I am retiring from the game. Yeah. I had a run, didn't I, guys? Oh, uh, man. He really know, got, got us. You. you know, I wanted to ask, I did want to ask Gibbs one question that mm. I thought would be a hard question for him to answer. So I'm going to ask him one, and then and then we can move on uh, to what is going to be. I was him Gibbles. all those soft pitches, man. Sort of, Come on. <laughs> I know. You got well, to throw some difficulty in there. This is not. This is an easy question for a lot of people, but a hard question probably for Gibbles. Gibbles, if there is one champion in Legends of Runeterra that you could remove from the game, which champion would it be and why? That's not hard. It's Fiora. Okay. Yep. Oh, Absolutely. Man. Fiora drives me up a wall. I'm really outnumbered. That's now. right. Really, That's right. I, you wonder the real reason I brought him on? Yeah, <laughs> he, he needed some backup. He yeah, hates Fiora. Fiora. <laughs> Fiora can go kick rocks. She can go play in traffic. She can do a bunch of stuff. I, I absolutely cannot. I, I cannot stand Fiora. I, wanna, I almost every single time... I don't want to say that I would I would concede because I don't think I've ever conceded after seeing a, a a deck across from me even in this meta of a, a zero Aurelia, but I am severely sad anytime I run into <laughs> Shen Fiora across from me. It just makes me absolutely sad, and then I just start looking at that person's screen name across from me. I'm just like, why would you do this? <laughs> Who why? are you? <laughs> Who are you? I'm gonna find you. Uh, I'm gonna find you. Gonna Especially find, if I'm... you're a mid range or aggro player. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We we actually when when Gibby and I were messing with Beach Bonanza, like he was talking about earlier, um, we were doing a ton of testing on it. Um, and, and that one really was Gibby's baby. I just came in and made a couple tweaks, but um, you know, uh, I we both tested the absolute crap out of it. I think the record at the time we both played about twenty games. At least I did, and Gibby played more. But in that meta when it first came out, uh, I played about twenty games with it, and I think it had about a sixty-five to seventy percent win rate when Fiora was not involved, and it had a zero mm. percent win rate against Fiora. Uh, <laughs> zero. Zero. He's not kidding. It, it zero. Couldn't, couldn't beat it. There's just so many decks out there, especially aggro, that just literally have no chance if they draw Fiora. Like your only chance is them bricking and not drawing, you know, the champion. So yeah, no, it's 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 uh suck it, Mark. I've got reinforcements. Yeah. <laughs> no indeed, other champion. I di I dislike no other champion in this game. Yeah. None. Nope. 
Well, in in the coming weeks, guys, we're going to find that, you you know, each of us are going to own various segments of the show and we're sort of uh, divvying up responsibilities a little bit like that throughout the course of time. And so uh, this week we're going to be bringing back around a a segment that we have not been super dedicated in, unfortunately. Um, And uh, and Gibbles is going to be the guy who's going to change that. But before we jump into this segment that we are not super dedicated to, but now... We are incredibly dedicated to. I just mm. want to say thank you to all of our patrons uh, over at patreon.com slash legendscast. I want to thank you uh, for stopping by. Thank you for uh, thank you for you know giving us your hard-earned cash, your hard-earned dollars uh, to be able to support the show. I want you to know that we really appreciate you. It goes a long way to supporting the show and allowing us to do what we're doing. We had uh, uh, Eden M. Eden M. joined the patrons uh, this upcoming week or this past week which we really appreciate. So Eden, thank you so much for joining and supporting the show. We really appreciate you. We appreciate that. I do see we have another Hotmail user, though, um, and uh, I am on oh, record boy. for mm-hmm. not liking Hotmail users for some reason. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know what? We'll, we'll let it, we're going to let it slide. We're going to let it slide. Um, we have another Hotmail user. Thank you so much for coming and, and joining the show and supporting us. I also want to say, too, if you would, go over, guys, and leave a rating and review over on iTunes. We, we sort of, like, forgot about this and haven't done it in forever um mm-hmm. but uh leave us a rating and review over on itunes it does help people find the show and if you don't have the extra crash cash right now we totally understand that um and uh and we are going to be unlocking some stuff content wise in the future we have not forgotten about the mulligan yet um and uh and we are going to be doing some new stuff there's just been a lot going on that's prevented us from doing that so uh, you can support us over a Patreon or just leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, continues to reinforce the idea that Legends Cast is a great show. And uh, and if you find it to be a great show, we encourage you to go over and, and leave that five-star rating and review. And I'll read it out on stream as well. We had a new one last week. That was awesome. Would be great if next week uh, we had another new one. We have a lot to talk about tonight, though. New keyword, a couple new cards, all that stuff. But before we do that, Gibbles is going to take us into deck name game. Showtime! absolutely deck name game you know this is where my passion lies i love it i've been asking them when i just behind the scenes i'm always just like you guys doing deck name game this week are you gonna do it are you gonna do it should i submit a deck or not and they're like just submit it anyway we'll talk about it eventually and then they stopped picking my stuff because i submitted too many of them so it was a <laughs> it's lose true lose. but now it's I, mine i, I, I was worried it. for a long time about nepotism uh yeah. when it, and now he's on the show so i now guess i failed <laughs> yeah the nepotism has overrun you this you can't escape the nepotism now <laughs> Yeah, so deck name game, I absolutely love this. I encourage anybody, if you are are experimenting with something spicy, uh, if you are creating something cool, something new, something fresh, and you want it to be spotlighted, uh, absolutely jump in deck name game and post it. Come up with a cool name. If you need help coming up with a name, ask the community. I mean, I've seen a couple people helping other people create cool names for decks. Um, and mm-hmm. I will always help you too if you ever want it. So this week, uh, really wanted to to highlight. There's a I've got a, a pick and an honorable mention. First honorable mention, I'll go ahead and just shout out 
uh, real quick. Uh, Six Summit, somebody who's been in deck name game quite often with some good stuff. His Redundancy Team Squad is a really cool deck. So go ahead. He left a little description in deck name game. Yeah, if you guys want to try that out, I know he's continuing to, to, to evolve it a little bit. So you'll probably see an updated version, I would imagine, at some point. But go ahead and check that out. It's a really, really cool concept. But my pick for this week is actually the most recent one on there towards the bottom of the page. Uh, this is coming from Silent Sith and his uh, deck, I see shadow people, which <laughs> I love horror movies, so that tickled me quite good because it is a play on words. I, I I'm assuming from the movie Sixth Sense of I see dead people. So um, I see shadow people. This is an archetype that I absolutely love. I actually have a deck that is somewhat similar to it, um, adjacent. That he he took a lot of different combos here. It is an Ionia and it is a Shadow Isles deck that runs Zed and Hecarim. Um, and the whole point of it is it has got some spicy combos with some of the new cards, but it abuses uh, some of the ephemeral properties uh, and getting some nice kills uh, cheap uh, using uh, some spells like Deathmark. Deathmark is a fantastic card um, where you can take one of your ephemeral units and uh, you can take that ephemeral and you can place it on a, an opposing unit and they will die instead of your unit. Uh, it's a really good removal trick if you can get some cheap ephemerals out on board. So he's running some Shadow Fiends in there. Um, also Ren Shadow Blade uh, to create more Shadow Fiends, that one cost 4-3 um, ephemeral unit. So he can play something cheap on board, play Deathmark to, to get some kills. Uh, he's also running Flurry of Fist, which is one of my favorite cards in the game. Uh, Zed and Ren Shadow Blade having... Uh, quick attack, Flurry of Fists, you can double up that quick attack to give it double attack and really pipe, pipe in some damage quickly if they are if they don't see it coming, if they decide to not uh, block. Um, one of the other cool cards that I think he and I uh, chatted about a bit that I think makes this deck and this archetype in general, if you want to try it or try it out in a different capacity, that makes this archetype at least a little more consistent, especially with Hecarims, where he's becoming unblocked and keeping the high attack on a lot of the, the units, is Syncopation. Syncopation is a fantastic uh, tech card that he put in here to be able to switch some things around during combat to manipulate um, uh, some trades in the way that are more favorable uh, for that deck. So uh, keeps things around on board a little bit better. Love the deck. Um, I think it is a fantastic way to go after um, uh, Ephemeral, even with a couple copies of Go Get It in there, I think is really interesting. So props to you, uh, Silent Sith. This is our, our deck name game choice of the week for his deck. I see shadow people. I feel like at this point, literally people could put syncopation into almost any list and you and I would get excited about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's one of my, I, there are two cards in the game now that make me super excited to see. Actually, I'll say three. And two of them are in this deck. It's Flurry of Fists, Syncopation, and the other card I really love is Bone Skewer. If you throw Bone Skewer in a creative way <laughs> in any deck, I am probably at least going to look at it. An Armored Tusk Rider. And Armored Tusk Rider. Yeah. <laughs> See, this, Rider. Is, this is, again, the, the kind of thing I'm talking about. This guy just, like, gets hooked on these, like, kind of offbeat cards <laughs> and then starts coming up with crazy stuff. We had an Armored Tusk Rider kick for about six months, uh, the two of I us. I looked at it today. I actually am working on a deck to bring it back out. Oh, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's going to be good. Oh, well, man. I love any deck that is, uh, that's running the Ephemeral Package. As you guys, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know, even when we were talking, uh, when we were still covering Tessel, uh, and I played the closed beta, uh, got in the closed beta for uh, LOR, 
Um, that was what I went to. Like I gravitated towards the Hecarim Zed Deathmark um, deck back then when Hecarim was still really busted as like a four six or something like that. And uh, still really, really en enjoy that type of gameplay. Um, it's not what I've been playing recently. However, definitely interesting. And I love any deck that tries to make, you know, Flurry of Fists good. I think mm -hmm. that that's really interesting and engaging because it has sort of like a shock factor, right? And then Syncopation sort of has the same thing, which I think is something that people have really missed because I really came out and that sort of stole in the spotlight. I, really, I think I really Azir stole the spotlight of so many other things that could have been experimented with in this last set. And one of those things I think is something that you guys have sort of uh, jumped in on and we're seeing in this deck, which is Zed with Syncopation. Mm -hmm. Because Zed with Syncopation is just very, very strong combination-wise, very, very good. And uh, and we got that new Zed skin, which is cool, which I heard someone on the podcast owns that new Zed skin. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. I bought the Zed the skin, huh? I bought the Zed skin. Because uh, I, uh, I got, I realized, I was like, because I get the Prismatic Zed, right, from the yeah. event pass. Mm -hmm. And that animation was just too sexy. I had to have it. I've been playing Zed a lot, uh, actually, with... Uh, uh, Gibby and I's uh, Zed and uh, uh, LeBlanc list that we've been messing with. Uh, and then I also, um, I do quite often go back and revisit Zed Hecarim, um, like pretty often. So like, I like Zed a lot. I like actually just the fact that uh, Ionia has some like uh, up-tempo plays that like Syncopation is protecting now. So like, I, I really want, I've always wanted to play Ionia in like a, a tempo board-centric fashion as opposed to like combo and uh, control. Um, and, and I don't want to play Aurelia, of course, but like when it comes to like the other champions getting some support, I would love to be playing more Lulu. I would love to be playing more Zed and even mm -hmm. Shen if it wasn't to just support Fiora. So like that's really exciting and something that I love. So I was like, you know what? I know I'm going to be playing a lot of Zed. I really like Zed. Uh, I'm going to get that skin and watch him yeah. blow up a planet. <laughs> I'm, you, you might just be swaying me to pick it up too. I've got the Yasuo skin, the Yasuo skin but I might have to pick up the Zed one too, especially if we're going to be experimenting Ooh. with it more. Yeah, exactly. You have the Yasuo one because I'm sitting on Shivana. Um, oh which means the only we're one such that we corporate shills. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this is the about the time where skins. we announce our riot sponsorship. Uh, no. We have all the skins. Hey, maybe, maybe the hey, maybe that's my job. Maybe that's my new my new thing. Uh, it, I actually, need to get yes, a riot. your first your first assignment: get riot to uh, to come on the show. There you you go. don't Good think luck. I'll hound them? You don't think I'll do it? Oh, I'm going to be in their inbox. Constantly get on, now. Get on Twitter because it's the only place they live, I guess. Yeah. Um, one of the things I love about this deck that I, I is my favorite thing is Ren Shadowblade is in this mm -hmm. deck. And mm -hmm. Ren Shadowblade is just one of my favorite, in terms of cool factors, I think he's so incredibly cool and actually uh, is one of the things that I really have wanted to bring into Dungeons & Dragons mm -hmm. from Terra was characters like Ren because I think that the thematics and sort of the theming around Ren is so incredibly cool. And I really, really love it. And so Ren Shadowblade is one of those cards. It's like, if you can get that in a deck and make it work. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I look at this deck, I'm like, this probably doesn't work great, right? It's probably fun. It clearly levels up Hecarim quickly. It probably isn't like, oh my gosh. this. I mean, it has the ability to surprise people, right? With Syncopation, Deathmark, and, and Flurry of Fists, 
it can definitely surprise people. And then also having that crumble on there to say mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm going to mm -hmm. drop a, a Shadow Fiend for one mana and then crumble to get rid of, you know, so my thing was going to die at the end of the round anyway. I can crumble, uh, you know, it would be better if crumble was a fast speed spell, of course, in this <laughs> scenario, because you could attack like a lot of times. If crumble costed more but was fast speed, it would love its place in this deck because, you know, if it was a six cost, destroy a creature because then you could attack, you could get chariot. your shark chariots out. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and then crumble something. It but, should be noted. Uh, but it does work well with it. And it should also be noted that, like, so Deathmark always you could do that with like Shark Chariot or Dark Water Scourge or whatever. Um, I mean, if I was gonna look at this list, my my gut would be to bump Dark Water Scourge to three, but uh, that's neither here nor there. It's not my deck. However, uh, I think that there's like huge untapped potential uh, with uh, that now we we have with with the uh, Shark Chariot syncopation. Um, you summon up that Shark Chariot, you're swinging with one of your few units, which was always the issue, by the way, with Ephemeral, is that you'd swing with non-Ephemeral units, get all these extra Ephemerals, your opponent only blocks uh, your non-Ephemerals, and then you have nothing to defend against. Well, now, all of a sudden, if you, you, know, if you swing with Ren, and they get this big, you know, huge, beefy blocker that's going to kill your Ren, uh, you can just go ahead and swap in that Shark Chariot, and all of a sudden, you know, you're not losing any board presence and your Shark Chariot's either killing or at the very least, you know, damaging, uh, you know, their units so that you can block the next turn. Like, I think that that's, that's like one of the things that it's not just syncopating to level Z or protect Hecarim. Like, you also get to trade, you also get to make their trades worse by throwing your unblocked Ephemerals in front of them. Mm-hmm. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. If you use Flurry of Fist, because Ren Shadowblade already has Quick Attack on him, yeah, you'll get if you uh, use, two strikes. You get two. You well, you, you get two Shadow Fiends mm -hmm. out of it, right? So mm -hmm. that's that's huge. Um, being able to do that, especially if you're pumping eight damage to face or just pumping out a bunch of Shadow. Like, I, I never found Shadow Fiend to be super viable um, in a deck, but with the amount of reach, mm -hmm. I think that the Ephemeral archetype is starting to kind of gain. Um, with being able to, as you mentioned, not lose so much tempo on board by just all of their ephemeral stuff dying consistently and you have a little bit more control over your own destiny by switching things around in combat and being able to manipulate some of those trades, I think having a just good stat block on a, on a unit is relevant now because mm. you're forcing thing, you're forcing trades, you're forcing the board to kind of shift your way. Yeah, and I always found that Shadowfiend was most effective as a uh, to drop on defense because it basically would do, it would say, don't attack me or I, this thing that costs me literally only one mana will kill your thing. Um, it, it is a massive deterrent. Uh, and so I think that, like, you know, Ren Shadowblade, you know, potentially spawning those in your hand, you might sit there and look, well, they don't have Overwhelm or Elusive or anything like that. Like, yeah, it's cute, but but it's, remember two things with these uh, Ephemerals. If you can generate more Ephemerals in hand, uh, whether it be through, you know, Ren or like Stalking Shadows or, or whatever, you know, there's a bunch of ways that uh, Shadow Isles can do it. Which actually makes building a Zed Hecarim deck a lot more challenging than it used to be. But you know, before, you know, in the the initial iteration that like Mark played on like the second episode of this podcast, right? Um, you know, you, you kind of didn't quite have enough like forty cards that went with the theme, so you just kind of like splice in like I think like Rasha or whatever uh, was in there, and you had a couple other random things that like didn't like synergize, but you had to fill out the list. Now you've got over forty things. Uh, that are competing for space and makes, you know, 
hitting those numbers and figuring out how many of what you want a lot more interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. But but Shadow Fiend not only can be that blocker or, or really that deterrent force on defense, but you can also play it because you need uh, to keep those Shark Chariots coming out all the time to keep that pressure up. That's how this deck you know punches through in the mid game. Uh, and and forces them to not overrun you when it's their turn to attack. And so you have to keep the pressure up with the Shark Chariots, which means you always need to be able to have an Ephemeral ready to attack. And sometimes, uh, especially in older versions of the list, you'd kind of run out of those. You wouldn't have an, you know enough Ephemerals to drop down until you dropped Hecarim. Um, so I, I think that that is, is definitely one of the big benefits. I, and I think, is this deck, I think Mark was, is right to an extent, is this deck going to be like top tier? No, but I think that it definitely has the uh, the legs to be a uh, you know to slide into a meta and uh, and knock down some of the maybe non super up tempo decks. Like anytime there's like a mid range or even like a control meta, the fun thing is is that like them killing your shark chariots accomplishes nothing. Uh, <laughs> them killing your uh, your shadow fiends and dark water scourges accomplishes nothing because you'll just keep keep spawning these uh, these shadow people. So. Yeah, it's really neat. It's really, here's really the, neat. Here's the last thing I'll say about this deck. I think this is a really cool deck, too, because if you know me, you know one of my favorite decks to play is TK Soraka. I love that deck. Yeah. That would probably what I be what I consider my signature deck uh, in a lot of different ways, um, and that is a deck that requires uh, a pretty decent pilot, um, and there's a lot of different options to it. I feel like this deck has a lot of the same vibes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different branches in decision-making that is required to play this deck well. Um, at least this archetype as well. It requires some careful planning and using your mana on offensive, defensive, and thinking ahead about when your ephemerals are going to die, make sure you're playing the right units and all that good stuff. So um, I love that aspect of this deck too. I think it's a little bit tricky, uh, but it can be really rewarding. Nice, nice. Well, hey, guys, we're going to go ahead and move the conversation on now to uh, our, our main subject for this episode. But I do just uh, want to say once again, congratulations to our deck name game winner and runner up. And uh, thank you guys for submitting those decks. We will put the winner of deck name games deck code in uh, the description of this episode. So if you want to pick up that Ephemeral Ren, Shadow Blade, and uh, Zed and Hecarim list, uh, feel free to do so. And go ahead and give it a run and try it out and then join our Discord and I will take a moment now just to plug our Discord and say, hey, there's a lot of great stuff going on on Discord. So come over and join us in Discord. There is a link to that also in the description of this episode. We'd love to have you there. Let's go ahead and jump into the main segment for uh, this evening. Time for the main event. Okay, guys, in the main segment this evening, we decided to focus in on just basically some news. Uh, there are a couple of subjects that we do want to get into discussions about, especially with the three of us. But uh, we were like, what are we going to talk about? We were discussing some options, and we had a couple of things uh, sort of uh, set up. But then we got more news, and that was that you know, we got announcements for the rise of the Underworlds expansion. However, before we get into that, we did not get a chance. Last week's episode, uh, we recorded just hours before they released the Pool Party skins. And so we got uh, six new skins to the game. It's our second round of skins, Pool Party skins. We got Fiora. Um, we got Tarek. We got Heimerdinger. We got Zoe. We got sort of the elite skin, uh, which is Talia. 
And then we got Darius, which might be simultaneously the best and worst skin to ever come out. In, well, so far in LOR. Um, so I am curious to know kind of like what your guys' reactions are to uh, the new skins came out. Did you pick Wait, any you up? Mean, Do you, you like mean them? Draven? Do you not like them? Draven, that's what I meant, not Darius. Draven, yeah. Um, but let me kick it over to DBN first. DBN, what did you think about the pool party skin selection? Are you going to get one, or are you passing on this set? Uh, I'll probably uh, probably be passing on them. Um, you know, it's funny. They chose to give Talia an alternate level-up animation when her base level-up animation is one of my all-time favorites. So, like, I actually mm -hmm. don't want to... Um, you know, pick up the skin, even though it's really cool, because I would much rather use the anim level up animation that I already have. Um, I don't like Fiora. I don't like Heimerdinger. Zoe, I don't play. I mean, I can appreciate it. It's, well, it's auto draft status whenever I do play Expedition. Uh, but yeah, and then I, I think if anything, the two that I like the most are uh, Tarek and Draven. Um, I think Draven's is absolutely hilarious. Uh, just, just really, really funny. Everything about it just to me, just, just made me chuckle. Problem is I, I don't think I want to spend money on it. Right. Uh, so, uh, and that's the problem, right? These are neat. Uh, and while it would be fun, I think to have them, I don't want to buy them. Right. Uh, and that's kind of comes down to the, the, my only kind of criticism because it's okay that it's not for me. Like that's totally fine. Um, and I think that this is really fun for a lot of people. And so like, I have I really don't have any criticism regarding the choice to do the pool party skins. Cause I think they're cute and fun. And some people are going to be really into it. Um, I just will say the only thing that felt like a miss for me was not choosing to, um, to give an alternate level up skin to one of the older kind of foundations champions that has a bad level up already, mm. like an animation mm -hmm. that wasn't mm -hmm. freaking beautiful. You know I mean? If you, if you look at like, uh, well, quite frankly, I feel like Draven could have a way better level up animation. So that would have been cool if they'd found a way to incorporate the kind of muscle beach, you know, stuff into his, into his level up animation. Uh, you know, Timo obviously is the one that's most often, you know, maligned. <laughs> Uh, but like, uh, I don't know, Lucian could be better. Like I never really cared for his that much. Although I guess that one's arguable. Um, the, the point is there's a lot of these, uh, older champs that could really, uh, benefit, I think from having a, an alternate level up animation, um, that, that don't. The only other thing I actually will say one more thing. It was really fun to look in the backgrounds of the card art to see other mm -hmm. champions. That was really, really fun for me. Uh, because if you look at like uh, the Fiora one, you can see uh, Darius and Garen over there on the side, uh, as well as I think Katarina. And then uh, they all get like after the Fiora levels and beats Trendemir in a, in a duel, they're all like getting hyped. <laughs> Uh, I, I'll, there is actually one where Leviathan is in the background as a cruise ship. Oh, really? Um, yeah, no and that one might be one of my favorite ones. There's actually one where you see this giant cruise ship in the background of one of the skins, oh, and it's yeah. actually Leviathan um, in the background. It's actually Swain's, you know, battleship. But I, I think you're right. Like there, one of the things that this team is really good doing at doing artwork wise is they are excellent at putting in like little Easter eggs of artwork mm -hmm. from other cards, especially in full art versions. Like I think even one of the cards that we're gonna talk about today has the artwork 
of another card from Bilgewater in it. Um, if you look, if you get a chance to see the full art, it has uh, it has the Allegiance Bilgewater guy in it. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but the guy that used to add a warning shot to your hand automatically oh, and the now grifter. he only adds. The Yordle Grifter. Yeah, grifter. Grif- yeah Yordle Grifter. Uh, there's like a Yordle Grifter on, on, like, in the full art of one of the other cards, which is really interesting. I think they did a really good job with that. Uh, how about you, Gibbles? Are you, uh, are you in on Beachbody or the, the Beachbody? Uh, uh, have you joined the Pyramid Scheme Beachbody? And if not, can I convince you to be a coach? Um, no. Are, are you in on the, uh, are you in on the, the, the Beach Skins? Uh, or is that not really your style? I think that the beach, uh, the pool party skins in general, um, I think this was a really good timing for it, knowing that there's going to be something a bit dark and sinister. It was kind of sandwiched between two dark things, right? So you look at, you just had all of this cosmic explosion destroying worlds uh, and taking over the universe with Shivana and and uh, Yasuo and all them. Uh, and then you have got the rise of the underworlds coming, which I think is a perfect time for something so lighthearted like this. However, I am not picking up any of the skins in here. I think I'm going to find a lot of value, and I think Deviant already hit it on the head. I'm going to find a lot of value in seeing new level-up animations. I think that is what's going to trigger me to get new uh, skins. Um, Mm. So seeing some of the ones like Fiora and uh, Zoe and Heimerdinger not necessarily get new level-up animations, but just get new card art, Unless it's one of my favorite champions, like regardless of whenever they come out with a, um, whether it gets new level up animation or not for Swain or for maybe even something like TK or Sirocco or um, someone like that. If they come up with a new skin, I might get it just because I like the champion enough, but none of these champions are really my favorites enough for for me to get uh, a skin. Um, There are other things in this pool party expansion though this pool party event, I should say, that I do really like, and I did pick up, but it just wasn't a skin. Oh, yeah, because we got a couple of emotes, right? And I know mm-hmm. that DBN sort of dug on one of those. I did not pick any of them up, but did you find uh, an emote that you really liked as well? I did find an emote uh, in this whole thing uh, that I liked. Let me go ahead and, and find it real quick. I really did like the, I think it's I think it's Tarek. He's got the, yep. the the blonde with the sunglasses. I think that one was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think out, even outside of that, it wasn't even a, an emote that I picked up besides the, besides the emote. I bought the board. I thought the mm-hmm. board was so cool. Just the beach board. Also having a beach bonanza list. How am I going to turn down a beach board? Yeah, Lagoon oh, of totally Legends. Fair. Right, Lagoon of Legends. It was really cool. The music is super. I think a long time ago, DBN said the reason he bought the arcade board mm-hmm. was because the music was so, um, it was so calming and it was very uh, adverse to some of the other boards and some of the other feels. So when you're late night and you're playing you want something relaxing to listen to while you're just playing some nice casual games. This is that other board. This is another version of that that I really, really liked. So I picked up the, the beach board as well, just as a nice calming board to listen to with some nice beachy noises. Let me ask you the question. You've, you've played on it, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, does the uh, board part where it's like in the water, um, mm-hmm. does that, is that like animated? Does it like, does the yes. water move? The water moves. The water kind of oh, goes I, back and forth, and there's waves rushing uh, yeah, as you're playing. Because I, is I love that. Cool. I actually really liked the baseboard, which I, I mean, obviously don't use anymore. Uh, but because I really liked the little river that ran down the middle, right? Mm-hmm. I think actually, I think it might have been in the original, like 
beta, like open out or alpha that it had, I think may, I could be completely wrong on this, but I felt like there was a, the river actually ran through the middle or something like that in the original alpha board or something, but I could be totally wrong. Either way, I really do love the, the water on that. So I've been heavily considering grabbing that, um, be just because it's it's just so pretty and I just love the like water animatics and stuff like that. And I like that like your bench is like on a uh slightly less deep portion of the water and then like you send them in the deep end when they're going to attack. Like I just, I don't know, just that that seems really cool to me. Metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no it's 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 nice. Yeah, the 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 water uh kind of rushing forth, kind of coming in with the tides and coming coming out is really nice. So I'll say this. Uh, so for me, I think that one of the things that I just appreciated about the skins is LOL as a game in their skins have not always been, and I've said this before in many episodes, has not always been particularly kind to female characters in terms of uh, uh, really making them into objects rather than into characters. And I was a little concerned about sort of like the poll party skins because I was like, well, that's a real opportunity for them to say, hey, do you want uh, do you want MF and uh, and Katarina to have less clothing on? We'll do that for you. And you just have to give us fifteen dollars. Um, and uh, and I, I really appreciated the fact that they didn't do that. I felt that their skins that they came out in this were modest, with the exception of Tarek. Uh, maybe Tar- Tar- Tarek's just like the giant ripped blonde haired guy, you know, uh, I really Baywatch. appreciated that. <laughs> um, I, I appreciated the direction they took it. Um, I, and the, I thought that was excellent. I really appreciate that about the art direction in the Terra team, because that was always a concern for me. Um, you know, that was something that when I collected comic books that drove me nuts about cer- certain comic books, and it was just like, listen, I realize that you think, you know, most people who play these games are, are you know, nerds uh, who, you know, th- this, is, uh, this is their jam. It's not my jam, and I don't appreciate it. And uh, I appre- so I love the fact that that's the actually... I'm not personally buying any of these skins, and I know... Honestly, my favorite skin out of the bunch was probably Fiora, although I don't play Fiora, so it wasn't like I didn't end up go- I didn't end up picking it up, right? Because I I don't play Fiora, uh, but Fiora is probably was probably my favorite one, just because I love like the fact that she's like busting a pole noodle in half, you know, with her pole noodle. I thought that that was I just thought that was a fun and creative mm-hmm. direction. Uh, I thought it could have been funnier if they had given her like if they had given Trindamir an enormous pole noodle like a giant thick ridiculous pole noodle that she destroyed um i thought that that could be a funny as well uh i don't know i'm not going to say that was like a a missed opportunity or anything but i just thought that that could have been funny too i think the talia skin is is absolutely beautiful i I, Mm -hmm. I think they did a really good job she has this like real strong muana vibe going on um which i actually love that movie because uh it was something a movie my daughter loved when she was young and i i've watched moana like a million times and um and i love like the rock is in it so i i love that uh thought that was really fun so uh i I really like that skin if i was gonna pick one it would have been that one i did think it was kind of strange as well dbn i picked up on that too that's like why is talia getting the new skin like this is a champion that people are already playing and if you wanted to get like existing players to maybe invest a little bit of money and buy a skin and go back to play a champion, like buy some wild cards to play a champion that they haven't been playing, um, 
why why do it this way right that that was kind of like my yeah. first thought was just like why not revitalize an older champion and give one of the older ones i mean it's fine it's fine give to leah a new skin i have no problem with that but and i realized like there's a golden opportunity there right like she's a surfer and you're doing a beach theme and you can do a really cool surfing animation right instead of rock mm -hmm. surfing waters i get i get all of that don't get me wrong um, but I did think that there was maybe an opportunity missed there. Like even like Tarek, Tarek's cool, but, uh, but let's give a new skin to Garen. Like, let's give a reason for people to go back and revisit Garen. Let's give Garen a level up animation that isn't just like the swinging of a sword. Right. Um, mm -hmm. let's, let's give him something else. I, I think that there was even Trindamir, right? Like Trindamir's level yeah. up animation isn't much yeah, of anything. No, it's and it's like, you could have done like swap out Fiora and make it Trindamir and give Trindamir a really cool new level up animation could have been yeah, cool. I can come I up mean, with so. half a dozen animations that would be so right. fun. Like I, I think like it would be really fun to see like somebody like splash like Trindamir and then he gets really angry at like cannonballs. Like that would be so funny, <laughs> you know? Um, My yeah. thought was why not put Brahm on the beach with his giant pecs and a bunch of Poros around him and have like, uh, uh, some type of like big volleyball game or sports th thing going on with a bunch of poros. Oh yeah, his entire his, his, the beach. no no yeah like Brom is there and his entire team of volleyball players is poros and it's, it's all the different poros from all poros. the different uh, factions. Oh yeah, they're like stacking each other oh, to try to like gosh. spike the ball there. That's what I would have. Oh, I would have bought that in a heartbeat. Funny thing is, there is a pole party Brom skin. Um, I can't remember what he's using as a shield. I can't remember if it's like. Or, or maybe it's not out yet. Uh, maybe it's like the pool party skins that are coming out oh, this year. I'm trying to find it right now. Uh, I don't know if it's like a. Uh, I can't remember what the skin is. I can't remember if it's like if he's using like a like a lawn chair or mm -hmm. something as a shield, maybe. Um, but I know that there was there's like a skin there's like a skin pack that came out like as a preview recently that has Brom and Set on it, oh. um, and. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I'm kind of, I'm actually a little surprised that we didn't get a Braum one because I think that could have been a really popular one. And Braum has a terrible level up animation as well. So they, mm -hmm. they could yeah. have done something cool with him. For I, sure. I would, uh, I just hope that whatever they do when they get Braum, they also have Vlad in the same, like, uh, same theme so that I can play them together more. And it won't break, like, like, like one is, you know, super serious and one is super goofy. Like I would want them to be like same vibes. Um, the only thing that I, I will say is like, if I'm looking at these skins, like, I think my favorite one is, uh, is Tarek. I just wish they had done it an, as like a cinematic, which was like, like super like over the top Baywatch vibes, like would have been mm -hmm. the funniest. I would buy it if that had happened. Oh, and it's already oh, funny. Is, you're right. it, it is like a beach. So I just found the Brom one. So the Brom skin, he actually uses a tiki bar as a show. <laughs> Um, oh, and it so would have been so funny if you had like a Brom level up animation where he mixed some like fruity drinks oh, and put them on man. the top of his shield. And like that was like his level up animation involved the fruity. I think that could have been so funny. That would have been um, so fun. I can think of, they're, they're, I love the animations. I want more. Like I just keep feeding me them and you will keep getting some money. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I agree. I think the new animations are great. Yeah. Um, but let's move on from pool party skins because we did get some new, mm -hmm. we got four new cards, a new keyword and a new, uh, video. Um, I'm imagining you each got a chance to watch the new video. Yep. We saw some of the champions mm -hmm. that we're going to be getting, which we're thinking like, I think it's Pike, Rexai, and of course a very obviously echo, right? Mm -hmm. It was a really good, I thought it was a really good promo. I, I thought it was 
really funny. You got like the Noxian strategist there um, that's part of it. You got like this backwater dealing in some part of Bilgewater. You have like, you know, set setups and ambushes. And then you have Echo who like teleports in, time shifts and punches everybody and, and like whisks away with this, you know, mystical, you know, PNZ. I would say it's probably not PNZ. It looks like it's more like void or uh Sharima. I, think it's, I think it's supposed to be pnc uh is it supposed to be like, like the little object that he steals in the end yeah isn't that yeah isn't that one of the cards it's it's re it's related to that uh, the one cost yeah the hexite uh, fallen feline it, that that's okay. what it was was a hexite yeah. crystal and that's that's what you can put in the deck and i assume fallen feline probably isn't the only one that can put hexite crystals into the into the deck. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, probably that would not. make sense. But what did you guys think about the the video? Because I thought it was done really well, and uh, I'm super pumped. Because I personally am a huge fan of Echo. Love Echo. Hope he's awesome. So, seems like a great little team up with Zillion. Maybe, maybe this is our Zillion team up because of it looks like we're gonna get some predict. We, I mean, we're obviously gonna get some predict uh, synergy with P and Z. Um, and I think that's really cool. I, I hope I hope the deck doesn't write itself. I hope he's not so linear that he like only plays with one champion. Um, but it seems like they're going to push the predict mechanic a little bit here with Echo. Uh, but just out of curiosity, what did you guys think when you first watched the video? Did you like it? Didn't like it? What, what were your thoughts? Gibby? I loved the... Uh, I actually really loved the video. And I think I... Maybe more different than some other people. I think I have a pretty refreshing take on some of the videos because I am not in a, a Legends or League of Legends player. So I don't know a lot of these champions. So I look at it from a very completely new perspective about um, not having a, a pull one way or the other with some of the some of the champions already. Um, but I think it's, this is a really cool video, really well done. I think the, the theme is super interesting. Um, I thought they set up in a very short amount of time kind of a cool story for what this expansion is trying to convey. Um, thought they just gave a very, very good plot. And I'm actually searching uh, real quick for a term that was in our um, was in our podcast discussion. I don't want to take it myself, but I think there's some players who are also sharing your sentiment uh, about some of the uh, the echo uh, echo echo hype in here, just I think they did a really cool job setting up Echo as this like hero of against the underworld. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, even in a certain way, I think they also framed kind of the motivations of Pike too, uh, with some of the um, kind of stopping some of the backwards deals, even doing doing bad things for for good reasons. Um, so I thought that was oh, really cool. I loved the the animations. I thought it was. I thought they've done doing, been doing a really good job. I, ever since kind of the Sharima expansion, I think they have really stepped up their game. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I was thinking is in in conjunction with these videos is some of the Hearthstone videos were some of my favorite things. Like they put in so much effort into the promo for Karazhan, like the disco in Karazhan. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, like the Grand Tournament was probably, yeah. They Cobalt literally had Matt Mercer sing a song. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> they really went above and beyond. Um, they did uh, even the one for like some of the Angoro stuff, which had mm -hmm. dinosaurs, had like yep. really, oh, really, really fun. Like it was so fun. 
And um, I'll say this, these are shorter, and I'm sure that's intentional. Like, I'm sure the time frame that they're working with is mm -hmm. intentional. The, the, you know, Runeterra has yet to do, like, as big of releases, right? Like, it's not quite as big of a deal, partially because card games aren't quite as big of a deal right now as it was when Hearthstone was in its heyday. You know, you're not getting the giant reveals. You don't have... I'm sure they have a con or something, but BlizzCon was such a big deal, and they did so mm -hmm. many huge reveals yeah. with giant videos mm -hmm. and displays at, at BlizzCon. That was such a big deal. Riot doesn't necessarily have that, but I would love to see them do a really big, giant promo video for LOR at like the League of Legends World Championship and see yeah. like a big LOR video as part of the the opening ceremonies for yeah. you know what is the biggest esports event in the world. Um, you know, the League of Legends World Championship. I'd love to see something like that, and I love the direction that they're going. I think they've done a really good job. It does seem like they haven't put as many eggs in that basket as, say, Blizzard did with Hearthstone, um, but I, I love seeing more eggs in that basket because I think they make really appealing reasons to come and check out the game. DBN, did you watch it? Would you, would you have any thoughts on it? Not yeah, yet? I watched it. It was fun. I mean, that's not why I played the game, but it was, it was cool. I was more excited to see the cards. <laughs> Uh, sure. I will say, I think you're right though. I, um, I think if I only, ha if I, I like my only concern for the longevity of the game is that I haven't seen them commit as much. I haven't seen it commit as much into the marketing of this game as I've seen even Tessel do for, um, Bethesda did for Tessel. I mean, they would show the big, you know, uh, Tesla expansion, a big cinematic and stuff every year at uh, um, E3, at E3 at you know, and, and QuakeCon, yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I, I would just love to see that as well. I would love to see them, you know, maybe put a little bit more revenue into, uh, you know, these big, you know, YouTube releases and stuff, just because I think it's two things. One, I think it generates hype within the community, which is a really good thing. Two, I think that it's really good for... Um, you know, pulling people in from other games. That that's that's a really big thing. If people aren't gamers, like I, I don't think it's smart to market LOR to non-gamers, but I think that it is really smart to market LOR uh not just to other card games, which they already do and I have seen, um, but market it towards um, you know, other properties of Riot. Get the LOR promotions in Valorant. Get the LOR promotions in League and TFT. Like, do more cross promos. Like, oh, when you... Because that's the other thing that I think Bethesda did a lot and uh, Blizzard did all the time. Oh, if you level your TFT account, you get a legendary card in LOR. And that's going to get people to pop over and be like, oh, I got a thing. Let me use the thing. You know, um, and of course that cross pollination, it, you know, because if somebody said, oh, do this achievement in TFT and you'll get a, a new board in LOR. Well, guess who's going to go boot up TFT? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think that that's sure. a really smart way to cross promote. And, and I mean, I would like to see more of that. So that's my only like, I mean, because when it comes to the game itself, because despite like my balance criticisms, like I think that the game is a very compelling game that people are going to be playing for a long time. So like, I don't think that I don't have any concerns in that perspective. I don't have concerns about the regularity of content. I don't have concerns about that stuff. I don't have concerns about the monetary aspect, which is the concern I had with Hearthstone. So like a lot of the concerns for other games aren't there. This is my concern. Um, and so this video is a step in the right direction. I, I'm glad they did it. And uh, it was really high quality, which is big. Uh, but I'm ready to talk cards, though.
yeah, let, let's let's get into some cards here. Um, the first thing that we need to talk about before we talk about cards is the new keyword, which we got revealed here, which is called Lurk. Lurk seems like it's going to be a Shirima, which is some of the Void Rek'Sai stuff. Of course, Rek'Sai is sort of this underground burrowing bug champion. She's really cool. And also with, it looks to be probably Bilgewater, mm -hmm. which is going to be, of course, being the Pike synergy. And I actually don't know a lot about Pike, uh, you know, lore-wise. I know more about Rek'Sai. So Lurk is this. When you attack while I'm on top of your deck, I lurk, granting lurker allies everywhere, plus one, plus zero, max of once per round. So a couple of key things to point out here that I missed. The things that I missed were, I read this originally and thought, oh, when you attack, if you have a lurker on the top of your deck, other lurkers are going to get plus one, plus zero until the end of the round. No, nope. That's not what this says. It is grant. <laughs> And it is not just the stuff on the board, it is lurkers everywhere. So that means all the lurkers in your hand, all the lurkers in your deck, all the lurkers on the board are going to get a permanent plus one attack. So the more often you lurk, you're going to slowly ramp up and build this really powerful deck that is going to have creatures with very, very high attacks if you can consistently be lurking. Um, it is a little bit random, uh, but when you first read this, it might seem worse than what it is. We got a couple of cards with Lurk as well. DBN, you, you're anxious to talk about the cards, so why don't you tell me what your thoughts are at Lurk and maybe talk about one of the cards that have Lurk as well um, sure. because it'll give us a little frame of reference for what we're looking at. Yeah, for what we're lurking at? What we're lurking into. <laughs> yes, lurking at. yes, yes, yes. Right. Perfect. No, I think Lurk... Okay, we can't project, and I'm not going to project, uh, whether it's going to be good or not, okay? Uh, but the keyword seems promising to me. And the reason why is uh, anything that will last throughout the entire rest of the game um, is particularly uh, can be potent and always has the ability to, um, you know, allow decks to snowball beyond what they could otherwise. I mean, similarly to deep, right, where like, you know, you, you work towards this objective and by the time that it comes online, if you're still alive, you can do a lot of really cool stuff with it. Lurk to me is sort of a, a earlier access deep. Like, you get access to it earlier in the game, um, but it's not going to be quite as potent, right? Um, what's fascinating about Lurk is that I, I think that it is not intended to be uh, run just by itself. It, it's going to massively capitalize off of Predict, which we already have a bunch of, and we're going to be getting more of in this set. So what, to me, is promising is seeing how... Uh, PNZ, Sharima, and Bilgewater are going to have like these three interlocking factions uh, or three interlocking uh, keywords and abilities that all can work together. But of course, you're only going to be able to make a deck with two of the three. Uh, I don't think they're going to be adding tricolor anytime soon. Uh, so let's hope not. Let's hope not. So predict uh, being able to put and ensure that you have a lurk that will pop on top of the deck. Um, is going to be absolutely massive to uh, ensuring that early game uh, attacks, right? So I think, and I'm, oh, cause all of these four, I want to talk about all four in conjunction. I'll just start with my impression that I talked to you guys about earlier, which is that, you know, we were debating whether or not lurk, uh, creatures, even if they got big would be able to do anything because they'll have, you know, really high attack, but their defense isn't going anywhere from lurking. Um, and I kind of pointed out, I said, well, you know, um, really high attack is okay if you have keywords that go with it. Basically, one of the big three, uh, which is uh, elusive, overwhelm, or fearsome. 
uh, probably in that order. Um, and the first one that we have that I'll, I'll go ahead and say uh, is the Xerxai uh, Hatchling, which is a one-mana 1-1 one, one with Lurk and Fearsome. So mm. if the Xerxai Hatchling has gotten Lurked four or five times throughout the course of the game, you're looking at uh, what is basically a permanent... Um, Oh, shoot. Uh, Stygian Onlooker, which we all know how impactful mm -hmm. the Stygian Onlooker is, right? Right. Um, and that's a 4-1 that only lasts for the turn, um, you know, and, and so he can't, like, get that off of, like, uh, you know, it only lasts yeah, for the he, turn it comes down. He drops Fearsome as well, where this mm -hmm. will never drop Fearsome. Right, and the Fearsome will always be on this thing. So could it be used in aggressive strategies? Maybe. It just depends on the density of lurks, how many lurks we get across these two factions if there's enough to really fill out an early game curve because that's the thing you are going to kind of need to have enough lurks in the deck that you can hit uh fairly like semi-consistently and what i'm wondering is is there going to be animation showing that that happens um and if so will it tell you will it tell your opponent like that's all the information about like lurk that i would love to know uh because uh, what kind of situation would it be like are you going to draw the next card and be like, oh, look, I'm at three, you know, on my thing. And like, you're like trying to keep track when you don't know if you're lurking or not. I guess the only way you would know is if you swing with a lurk unit and then it gets buffed. That's how you'll know you'll get a lurk on top of your deck if you didn't already predict. Um, mm -hmm. There's just a lot of, of, of really interesting elements to this that are going to come into play as people start trying to figure out how to run it. But I think just my initial impression of Lurk is just I'm super stoked. I think that like the flavor of it is really fascinating and trying to find a way to ensure that you're getting as many of those um, procs as possible is, is going to be uh, is going to be interesting. You know, one of the things that I want to see with this is we had the. Uh, uh, augment uh the cat the augment the yep. one four one three with elusive and augment mm -hmm. the nine and, android. Nine uh, android yes yeah. yeah and i think that i think that lurk i'd love to see something like that um something with uh you know maybe not turn one two you know maybe three four that has a little bit of a backside on it that has elusive um maybe fearsome would be okay I'd prefer to see elusive, uh, just sort of like the concept of burrowing or mm. going deep underwater be, to be able to get to your opponent's, you know, nexus, um, either either in Bilgewater or in Charima, um, that would allow you to buff that thing up throughout the game and being able to get like a big elusive on. And I'm thinking like specifically, uh, it would not run well, right? Because what I'm worried would be worried about is like, oh, you just run it. it's another elusive to run with Ionia, but we haven't seen that cat card. Um, run in Ionia. Why? Because you have to run so many synergies around it with Victor, and you don't really want to run Victor with the Ionia stuff. He's better with other things. Mm -hmm. And I think this would be something similar, where this wouldn't be abused by sort of the elusive abusing abusing decks, but would be very good inside of this Lurk type of stuff. Um, and, uh, we, uh, you know, the, the two Lurkers that we got so far are the one-mana Xerxai Hatchling, which DBN mentioned, one-mana uh, common from uh, Sharima, which is a one-mana 1-1 one, one with Fearsome and Lurk. And then the other one that we got is Snapjaw Swarm, and I'm going to kick this over to Gibbles in a minute because I want to know what your impression of this. is a two-mana Bilgewater common, 0-2, so it's going to start with no attack. It has Lurk, though, so you know it can grow throughout the game. And then play, I start a free attack. So as soon as you play this, it immediately attacks, which, is, of course, is terrible 
if it's a zero it's a zero attack creature potentially because you just get an automatic free trade from your opponent but if it has higher maybe it's better one of the things that's interesting to point out is that lurk can only happen once per round so you can't attack with this lurk and then lurk again um but I, so that's why I'm, I'm sort of interested in this card and in, in kind of curious about what your guys's take is on it gibbles what about you what do you think about this lurk mechanic and snapjaw swarm specifically Sure. So the lurk mechanic in general is very interesting to me. Um, I think something that we, we, we draw a lot of comparisons over to Hearthstone and stuff like that. And I think one thing that plagued Hearthstone a lot was there was too much randomness in the game. Quite often that was a complaint from the from the community mm-hmm. of players that there was just too much um, just random happening and just rolling the dice and just RNGs. Just, Am I going to get lucky? Am I not going to get lucky? Is that going to determine uh, me winning this game or losing this game? Um, and I think... I think I really like the lurker mechanic because this feels like a calculated risk, right? This is a little bit of randomness depending on if you can hit predicts or not. Um, and here's another important part of the predict piece of lurker is let's say you predict something. You, you predict and you're looking for a lurker to put on the top of your deck and you don't see one. You can pass. You can pass that lurk or, or pass that predict and you still have a shot of hitting that lurk on the top of your deck because it's going to shuffle your deck. Uh, after the predict so there's still that chance too so predict does has a synergy that way even if you don't hit the lurk on any of the cards that you're shown um but i think lurk is really cool because it is it is a calculated risk to a degree you're building your deck to increase the the statistical odds of you seeing that lurk but it's not exact and i like that i like that it's not so solved that it is so consistent that there will be no um that there will, it, it's already going to be, this is the way to play it, and this is the best cards, and it's so consistent that it will be a solved deck. But there's going to be a matter of how much lurk do I really need to put in my deck, and that's going to be up to really opinion and the gamer of um, how, how much of a chance am I really willing to take about how much lurk I need to put in my deck to sacrifice lurk minions if they're underwhelming or they're underpowered to put other strong cards in my deck but really make lurk worth it. Like, I really like that that balance uh, with this, as it pertains to Snapjaw Swarm, personally, I don't think it's going to be a. Depends what deck you're going to run it in. Um, I think as a you never you never play this on curve. You actually mulligan this away every single time mm-hmm. because even if you are if you're turn one, okay. If you if you're going first, you can't play it. If you're going second, okay, you play it and it's going to be a free attack that's going to get eaten if they played a if they played a minion on one. So it just took up a space in your early game hand you probably don't even play it on turn four um, if you are going second unless you really, unless you lurked on turn two with something else. So like it's it's a very low end card to me. I think the average amount of times, let's say, because on turn, let's say you are first, right? On turn five, if you lurked on one and lurked on three, um, yet max, this is a two, two. Am I reading that right? Like this is, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. It's that that is not uh, that good to me. Well, I, I don't. What it what it allows you to do is it allows you to lurk on your opponent's turn, mm-hmm. right? On your opponent's attack token, you when you're on defense, you can play this attack, and it might get free traded, but it allows you to like turn one uh, lurk with uh, you know Zerxai Hatchling, turn two on your opponent's attack token, play Snapjaw Swarm, and you automatically attack, which allows you to lurk on your opponent's turn which uh, I think that's where the potential 
benefit if this card comes in. Right. Um, it, it, it's so hard, right? You gauge the first four cards of any set, and it's virtually impossible to say anything, yeah. <laughs> anything yeah. definitive about them. But yeah, well, I think what this card might end up. I mean, you made a good point about doing it on defensive turns. I think if anything, what this card might force you to do is this card might force you to to play it a little bit blind and hope that you pull a lurk on the top mm-hmm. of your deck. This might be the this might be the card that forces you to take to, to roll the dice and make an inexact chance of I've got a lurk on the top of my deck. But it also what it does is it gives you some information mm-hmm. about um, what is there too because if you don't hit the lurk and you've only got so many cards in your deck that aren't lurk whether it's spells, champions, whatever it might be, okay, you've got a little bit of information now about what you might see next. So almost like kind of the allegiance mechanic of if you're running enough if you're running enough uh, of one faction you've only got seven splash cards in there and then you miss the allegiance okay you know one of the seven cards is coming up well so. you know what this goes really well with is uh bone skewer because bone skewer <laughs> strikes and then puts it back on top of your deck mm-hmm. so you buff up one of your lurk creatures use one of your small ones to get a free strike throw it back on top of your deck to guarantee a lurk trigger mm-hmm. um very clearly goes with bone skewer i'm gonna kick this back over to dbn but here's my main concern with this and uh it is that we i mean it's very clearly right lurk is going to be sharima Bilgewater, and that means it's probably going to be rexi pike um, and we have no lurk anywhere else. And so very similar to what we had with the star spring deck. Um, there's two champions that's played in it. It's clearly going to be best. Could that be what we're seeing here is my question is, is lurk going to be a mechanic that's already written into two champions that benefit and use lurk in both Pike and Rexi. And, uh, like the, it, maybe the deck has some flexibility, but in terms of champions, Everything else is just going to be arguably worse than just throwing Rexi and Pike in here. And Rexi and Pike are going to be almost useless outside of this Lurk deck. That's my concern because that's kind of the writing that I'm seeing on the wall here with with these two cards, at least initially. DBN, I'm sure you have other thoughts that you haven't gotten a chance to share about Lurk and about these two cards. Yeah, uh, just in relation to what you just said about it being shoehorned together, um, could that happen? Very much so, because of what we've seen from the devs as that being a, a point of improvement that we've that we've mentioned. Like, hey, you know, we, we've seen this with a couple champs now where like they clearly go together and then you don't really ever play them in anything else. TK Soraka being a, an obvious uh, you know point. Not here. Nautilus Malkai to a certain extent as sure, well. Sure, yeah. Saying. Right. Sure. However, I think if if appropriately designed, this would not be the case. So I'm gonna hold out hope, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put a, a small amount of money on the fact that no, there will be multiple champion variants of this. Uh, and the reason why is you're looking at three factions that um, all uh, can benefit from uh, and have options for uh, predict. Um, so obviously, with Bilgewater being a central lurk. Uh, mechanic predict is going to be great for them shareem is a natural fit it will probably be the best fit however we're seeing here that echo uh clearly has the ability to put some really awesome uh, cards in your deck that benefit from predict i got to assume that if they're saying stuff with predict in in um um pnz that there will be pnz based predicts they're not going to put um if you see me in a prediction on a pnz card and then offer no in faction ways to find it 
So that mm -hmm. tells me that PNC is getting predict. Well, if PNC gets predict, then uh, and there's enough lurk cards in Bilgewater and or in Sharima um, to justify playing, you know, each of those lurks and probably at least one lurk that's maybe suboptimal. Um, then I think that this is extremely valid, especially considering I'm looking at the Bilgewater version. Um, you know, Hexite Crystal as a way to damage the enemies uh, and the enemy nexus is going to be great for leveling um, like Gangplank and or triggering uh, plunder effects, which Bilgewater already mm -hmm. has. And let's not forget that uh, Snapjaw Swarm is going to be quite nice with a Misfortune on the board. Um, so that you could get an extra attack in and, and level her a little bit quicker. Um, so there, there's a lot of uh, internal synergies already just within these four cards and, and you know, potential to see PNZ and Bilgewater with, you know, potentially Echo, Pike, or Misfortune and, um, and uh, Pike, or Misfortune and Echo. Like, it's just, there's a lot of options there. I mean, obviously, you can pop over and say, well, you know, maybe you internally within Sharima, there's enough to, to justify, like, Zillion and uh, uh, Rek'Sai or, or whatever um, internally uh, because of the strength of Predict, the, you know, the enhanced options you get between Time Bombs or Lurk, right? Um, so it's just, is the best way to play strictly Lurk going to be um Rexi and and Pike, Pike probably but I'm hoping and I think the potential exists for there to be uh enough lurk in each of those two factions to say hey I'm you know lurk is like part of my game plan but I'm not fully dedicated to all in on lurk therefore I don't need to run both of those factions I can run just the bilgewater lurk with something uh, and and get by in this sort of hybrid um, synergy lineup as long as there's not anti synergy between them you can run a time bomb uh, uh, hexite crystal approach with some lurk in it you know sure you know what they should do they should make all the blades from blade dance have lurk can that you would, not? You know, let's let's can not you, do can, that, think, though. Can we cut his mic off? That would be... Uh, actually, that's that, another great I point, that's though. That's actually a great, great idea. That's actually a great point, though, uh, in that um, they clearly uh, learned their lesson uh, a little bit because you'll notice that Lurk says once per round. Uh, Makes you curious what they're going to do to Blade Dance, though. Are they going to match that? Well, I think it's coming? just to stop Blade Dance from coming in and, and saying... Okay, I attacked four times this round. Now my other lurks have four plus four attack on turn, mm -hmm. you know, four or whatever. Um, so I think that that's clearly a. I think because I think that if it wasn't for Blade Dance existing, I don't think Lurk would have had that restriction on. I think it would have been like, ooh, I got to Lurk twice this round. Wow, I'm so yeah. special. And now they're like, no, <laughs> once per round. You know who's to blame. There's already some cards actually out there since we're talking about it, the idea of Lurk with P and Z um, or a little bit of the Hexite Crystals and stuff too, if you really wanted to. And I actually think this is going to be really cool with the Hexite Crystals itself, but it gives you both the option. There's already a couple cards in P and Z. One maybe sees a little bit more play than the other already, but there's already some synergy with what I think Lurk could do with P and Z, either with Sharima or with uh, Bilgewater. Two cards in particular, counterfeit copies that puts four copies of a card in your hand in your deck. Mm -hmm. um, that'll put some more, you could put either more lurk in your deck. I don't know if 
there will ever be a place and it depends on what they come out with where you have a hexite crystal in your hand and maybe it's an expensive card or if it's it's got some property to it i don't know if you'll ever be able to do it through that the other thing you can do is there's a three cost card called a parade electro rig that when you support it it puts copies it puts copies of its supported ally in your deck too and it's got a decent decent butt on it where it probably could survive an attack or two or uh, just supporting something and putting more lurk things in your deck too especially if you're creating free attacks with maybe this uh this new two cost um swarm of piranha fishies so um i have a feeling that there's going to be more that supports this refill your deck with things um also could be somewhat of a counter to the watcher if they don't do too much of the watcher you could end up actually surviving something if you end up putting just if you end up running things that put copies of other cards in your hand or in your deck Mm. Yeah, because that that was a common strategy at like super high level play when you know you're coming up against watchers is to hoard duplicate copies of champions so that once watcher mm-hmm. swings you can uh, slap a, a uh, play a whatever Garen's judgment or whatever the you know their card is to shuffle a card and so you don't lose uh, on the next draw and of course um, you know bone skewer same thing you can already do that with bone skewer uh, which mm-hmm. I think is obviously like we get the bone skewer now we got it earlier even though now it becomes even more apparent what it's designed for, um, which I like. So I, I think there's a lot to get excited about with these cards. Uh, we, we kind of already touched on Hexite Crystal, so I guess we should probably explain how that works. Um, although I don't know if we have more discussion we need to do about it, but it's a Fallen Feline, which is a PNZ one drop. It looks like Von Yip is falling off of something. Yes. Um, so it's a, so it's a one mana two one that says when I'm summoned, Create a Hexite Crystal in the bottom 10 cards of your deck. And the Hexite Crystal is a two-mana fast spell. It says, if you see me in a prediction, draw me. Deal two to enemies and the enemy Nexus. So, you know, pretty darn good. Uh, massive amounts of AoE damage, which we're actually being uh, starting to see as an identity for PNZ. Which so is one-sided avalanche that also deals damage to your opponent's face, like... Yeah, for two mana. Bomb. Well, yeah, in between this and um, Sumpworks Posse, and, and we've got the um, what's the five drop that that uh, um, Kempunk Shredder. Kempunk Shredder, like there, there's, there's. Man, you've been trying to make Kempunk Shredder good for too long, man. That, that Funsmith and Kempunk Shredder, it works. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, the uh, the the there's there's clearly some sort of mild identity uh, being established with PNZ getting to do um, sort of like AOE board wipes and stuff like that at least uh, at a low level. Um, so that's really interesting. Obviously, with Hexite Crystal, the ideal situation is to find it in a predict. Uh, but it's important to note that with it being on the bottom ten cards of your deck, you're going to have to predict to get it off the bottom uh, with a shuffle. So. Um, just, mm-hmm. just keeping that in mind that, uh, that it, it cl- very, very clearly, uh, is, is setting up that synergy with predict. And I think we're going to see a lot of echo themed, uh, predict mechanics. I'm just hoping that with PNZ, um, they give enough to allow it to sort of stand on its own and not instantly force you to pop over to Sharima, um, to predict because that, that would just kind of feel a little bad if, if they're, you know, PNZ is being a faction that um, has struggled to establish um, a lot of the champions. I mean, realistically speaking, um, Victor and Vi and Heimerdinger are all like relatively uh, dead right now. Teemo being only yeah. kind of farmed out in a couple aggro decks, but not really as dedicated puff caps. Um, Ezreal and Jinx 
you know, are shoehorned into two specific decks um, and don't see a lot of wide ranging play. So the point being like PNZ really needs some to, to stand on its own and to have footing, um, you know, as a standalone primary faction and then can get filled in with other factions. That's been its biggest issue uh, for a long time is inability to sort of stand on its own. It's more like, oh, let me pop over to PNZ to grab Mystic Shots or whatever, with the exception of discard aggro, I, I, I guess I would say. So you, you would love to see a more board-centric approach to PNZ. And of course, with being able to have increased consistency comes uh, the ability to run some of the other potentially less... Um, will say consistent champions so hopefully that will be that will be the case absolutely absolutely you know guys i think this is a great discussion of course next week when you come back and listen to the next episode we're gonna be talking about at least two of the three champions if we get the opportunity to push back the episode a day we will so that we can talk about everything um because probably the day after we record next week is when they'll release probably the last champion which is probably going to be echo if we're honest because it's probably going to be the most impactful um but uh we're, we're really excited for what's coming out of this next set ready 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 for a big um shake up to the meta we know that in addition to getting these new cards we're also going to be getting what they say is a substantial amount of updates to old cards um, and nerfs to some of the newer cards that we've seen so hopefully we're going to see some of those changes as well um, we are going to go ahead and start working our way out of here this episode and uh, and move on over to closing thoughts and i thought i was already perfect Okay, guys, closing thoughts is our segment that we hope if you've listened to, you know, an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes of this, uh, that you walk away with something that helps your life uh, outside of the game, not just your life in the game. And so this week, as I was pondering that, I was actually pondering something today because I was working towards something. And sometimes as I'm building on this new project that I'm doing with Lux Digital Church, uh, it is uh, it can be taxing in terms of feeling like. I'm not getting anywhere. Uh, and so like I was in meetings today for like a payroll company and like all, all of these different things sort of getting established. And I feel like I've been spinning my wheels getting established for five months. And uh, and I know that's not true, but I do know that like in a year from now, I'll look back on the time that I spent building the foundations today and they will be things that I don't have to do one year from now because I did them today. And I think with any project or anything in life, um, even in card games, it's as simple as building a collection, right? There'll be a point in, in your time in LOR, especially if you're a newer player, that you aren't trying to farm a champion wild cards so that you can unlock your third copy of Garen in Misfortune or something, right? They'll, they'll come a point in time when you're not doing that anymore. And you'll look back and you'll have seen progress. And I think it's the concept of progress that I'm really getting at, that progress happens and we sort of overestimate often what we can accomplish in a short period of time, but really uh, greatly underestimate what we're capable of getting done over a long period of time, over a, a long sort of heading in the same direction over a long period of time. What you can accomplish, what you can forge, what you can create in that time is so powerful. So perhaps there's just something in your life right now that you're just feeling like you're not making headway. Maybe that's working out. Maybe that's a relationship that you're in. Maybe you feel like you're not making headway in a game that you're trying to get better at. Maybe you're not making headway. And this is not to say that sometimes you shouldn't quit things or try something new because you should. But a lot of times it's this diligence in the same direction that proves to be the difference maker. And it's really hard to feel like you're making progress, especially in the early stages of that. So my encouragement to everybody is this. Like if you have something that you're working towards or you're working on and it doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere and you're spinning your tires, 
keep continuing to put that effort in and pushing towards it, especially if it really matters and is really important to you, um, because you will be amazed at what you can do over pushing in the same direction a long period of time and not just relying on sort of instant success or early luck. Um, yeah, that's that's my closing thought for for Love this it. episode. Solid. Solid. Okay, guys, we're going to work our way out of here. We've been at this thing for an hour and 40 minutes. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed Gibby joining us because you're going to be hearing a lot more from him. Uh, should be all three of us back next week, provided that nothing happens and one of us can't make it. But now if we can't, guess what? You still have a show, which is a beautiful thing. Um, and so thank you guys for listening. If you want to check out what we're doing, uh, you can check that out in uh, the description of this episode. But it's it's really probably just going to be my Twitch page because Gibby's not uh, streaming right now. You can find him in the Discord. Uh, DBN hasn't been making uh, videos recently, so you can find him in the Discord as well. So join our Discord, join us on Patreon, uh, and if you want to come uh, hang out with me, we did a uh, a meta tier list for yeah. uh, breakfast foods this morning, um, which was a tremendous amount of fun. Before playing a little bit of LOR, we've been playing a little bit of Elder Scrolls Online as well, and I think we're gonna play through uh, a couple of other RPGs in times, uh, maybe Hades uh, and possibly. Uh, Star Wars Fallen Order and stuff. So if you like other gameplay outside of LOR, feel free to come and check out my stream as well. want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening. We really appreciate y'all. And, uh, and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.